Hello, everybody. It is Friday. Uh, I'm recording a solo episode. I wanted to talk about something. I think I have talked about it kind of ad nauseum in a peripheral way. I haven't directly addressed it. And uh, I think the reason is, is that it's hard to sort of take a concept uh, I don't know. It, maybe it's just because it's like a, it's a throwaway word. Um, but today I want to talk about innovation and I want to talk about innovation specifically in emergency management and why it is so difficult to do. Why, I guess, my struggle in I've been in this field for over a decade now. And I thought in the 10 years, I feel like I, I have that vision of like what the Jetsons were, right? Like the Jetsons were created, I think, in like the 60s. It's probably even too old of a reference to use, but it was an old show. And then their view was in like 50 years, we're going to have flying cars. And I sort of had the same thought when I got into emergency management that by this point in my career, we'd have flying cars. And we don't. Uh, in fact, we're using the, the same cars <laughs> And they're very beat up at this point. They have a lot of miles on them and uh, both physically, like literally and, uh, and figuratively. And I think we need to have a discussion about innovation in an honest way and shedding some ego um, about why this isn't occurring. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it relatively short because I, I just go on and on, but I get excited about stuff. I want to talk about stuff and, uh, you know, I like to spur conversation. Sometimes it takes a little bit. So let's start with uh, sponsors real fast and we'll be right back. How do you spell Doberman Emergency Management? EOP, OEP, HVA, HMP, Thyra, TTX, Drone, PDA. Whenever you need an expert, Doberman Emergency Management field experts are there for support. Contact an expert at DobermanEMG.com today. The L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio solves problems and is specifically designed for emergency services. How do we know? We field tested it with medical, urban search and rescue and collapse and confined structures. This radio is amazingly tough. Check out the L3 Harris Extreme 400P radio at L3Harris.com right now. Okay, we're back. So we're going to talk about innovation. Um, first and foremost, we probably should discuss what is innovation? It is a term that is thrown around uh, all the time. And I think it is often used in a way to describe something that it is not. So my understanding of innovation is basically introducing something different or something new, like novel. It can't just be, an it's not just improvement, right? Um, in fact, I think this is where I, I honestly see a lot of places where they're like, we're being innovative. They're solving maybe part of a problem that exists, but they're not actually doing anything different. They're just putting a Band-Aid on a problem that is already out there. So when I'm talking about innovation and talking about it in the, in the context of today's episode, as well as like how it needs to be done in emergency management, I'm talking about like sea change, big different ideas, introducing things to this field that don't exist, 
introducing approaches to our field that don't exist. And in order to do that, uh, it's going to require some really, it's going to require some risk taking and it's going to require some creativity, imagination, something that uh, I think emergency managers do not have enough time to do. Um, and it requires you to be in the mix with a lot of different things, a lot of different skill sets, a lot of different sort of mindsets, thought processes. Like you've got to sort of look at problems from every single angle. And it requires a critical assessment of where we're at, which is something that I think is really, really difficult to do. Uh, we don't want to admit that we are terrible at what we do, but I think we have to because if you look at, uh, I think if you took honest looks at after action reports, if you took honest looks at how we respond to disasters and emergencies, we really have not changed a whole heck of a lot in a long time. Um, and, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that we think we're innovating when in reality we're not. Um, so those, those are sort of like the big high level thoughts that I'm gonna talk about today. But what comes from innovation? So if you're doing it properly, what do you get out of it? Um, you're getting uh, efficiency uh, which is something that's, I think, really, really important because we're all operating, um, and I mean everyone, private sector, public sector, nonprofit, everyone's operating with not enough resources to address the problems that we're facing. Um, and so being efficient, uh, it, it allows you to maybe develop something that makes you like a force multiplier. Um, it allows you to be able to have room to do things uh, it improves the product, which is serving the public. So making better plans, responding better, having more, uh, you know, contemporary mitigation strategies uh, to, to prevent and, and prepare for emergencies that like we're not actually facing yet. Um, and at the end, it should make us better at what we're doing and our community safer. That's sort of like the, the big takeaway, right? If we're coming up with these really good innovative ideas and they work, um, the end product should mean that we're better and more effective at our jobs and our communities are safer and more ready for whatever's coming next. Um, and some of that, so like as I'm describing this, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, we do really good maybe with response, right? Like we got these new command posts and new radios and da, da, da. But like, I think one of the, the ways that uh, it sounds kind of weird talking out loud, like innovation sometimes is also boring, right? It doesn't have to always be a shiny toy. Um, in a lot of ways, we could innovate by simply redesigning building codes so that they're more effective um, or changing policies and procedures and plans uh, so that we can be faster. You know, maybe taking the, the chains off, you know, the, the leash so that we can run and just try stuff. Um, and so 
in order to be innovative and to do this, there is a mindset that has to exist. Uh, and that mindset, I think, is uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, I did a paper when I was in uh, a master's program, and basically I was asked, it was a, a leadership and administration master's program, which I didn't finish. It's actually one of two master's programs I've, I'm currently technically in, uh, but have not completed. I, I'm, I love academia, apparently can't commit to the, uh, the getting it over the finish line, but I'm still in there. I'm still taking classes. I'm going to, I'm going to finish all, I'm going to have two master's degrees at some point, I promise. But, uh, in that course, we were kind of asked to like, look at our field and try to come up with a profile, um, a like perfect sort of mindset to get, uh, the job done and to be the most effective person that we could in our field. So I, obviously I was in emergency management. Actually, I think at the time I was sort of aspiring towards emergency management. I had volunteered, I was doing public safety stuff. And I remember sort of walking into uh, my first emergency management meetings. So local emergency planning commission meetings, conferences, uh, trainings, and looking around the room and listening to people and just being like, oh, everyone sort of thinks the same. And I thought there would be this would be different. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that a lot of emergency managers are responders. I was a responder. And so they were thinking of emergency management as a sort of response perspective. And I was like, man, this kind of sucks. Like, we're not going to be able to change anything if we're just doing the same thing over and over and over. And in fact, all we're doing is taking our response mindset and bringing it into emergency management. Um, and I had to recognize that early on as well. I actually was initially one of those very firm believers that I was like, you can't really do emergency management if you haven't responded to an emergency, because how could you understand the dynamics of a large event if you haven't sort of been in the trenches and boots on the ground and know what happens when those decisions at the, the last mile of your emergency management, EOC, whatever decision, um, which is not a reality that actually exists. But uh, I think it's just because that's like where my comfort level was and a lot of people were. So anyways, I as I sort of started attending these meetings and seeing all this stuff and just thinking like, uh-oh, <laughs> Like this maybe is not uh, what I thought the field was because in my head, I was like, emergency managers are problem solvers. So they have to just like look at things very critically. And that, and I'm saying this very, very generally. Obviously there's tons of emergency managers who are extremely innovative and doing lots of cool stuff. Um, but I will say as a whole in the industry, uh, it is a very, very, very small percentage. Um, and it's not even to blame any of those people. I think everyone wants to be innovative. Um, but here's, here's what I sort of, after thinking all about this and talking it out and writing it down, entrepreneurs, right? That's sort of like the perfect mindset for an emergency manager. Resource strapped, uh, bootstrapping, they have to be passionate, right? Everything is telling, everyone's telling them that they're, what they're gonna do is gonna fail. It's, there's no way it'll work. Uh, you're competing against established organizations. Uh, and so you're trying to do something differently. And those people are going to laugh at you and say, this is insane. You can't do this. Um, and you just grind it out and you, you, you have this thing that you want to do and you just have to every single day, get up and have that mindset that I'm going to set the world on fire. Nothing is going to stop me. And after a decade in emergency management, I keep going back to that mindset because 
otherwise, I'm like, how do people do this job? Right. And I know it, it, you burn out. Uh, that's, that's what happens. I burned out horribly, absolutely burned out, quit, quit my job that I had, you know, was, I loved and thought I would never leave. I did it twice actually. And went and did something completely different. Um, and I was just like, Oh my gosh, like it, that's what it felt like. I got up every morning and I was like, this is crazy. I'm doing the exact same thing. No one's listening to me. How am I going to do, make anything better? I'm just trying to survive. Like I'm underwater and thankfully, uh, in my current position, um, you know, it's very different. Like we are essentially a entrepreneurial company. We are a very startup mindset company. We are, we're given room to fix stuff, to be creative. John, my boss has given me a ton of slack to try things and do things differently. And it keeps me fired up. And that's where I think, uh, you know, we need to sort of start to take that mindset. And I think private sector and has more capacity for this. Like, let's be honest, I am not on a pager 24 seven like I was for the last, you know, essentially eight years of my life. Um, I have nights and weekends off. I get to be around my family. That right there increases my capacity to deal with uh, crisis way, way more because I have, uh, you know, if your cup is always full, uh, there's nowhere for additional water to go. So I've got maybe a half-filled cup, right? Like it's still uh, a lot stressful. Like we are a small company. Like we have to fight, you know, every single day to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything in our power to grow and get better and and be smart and try new things. Um, but again, I don't have to worry about in the middle of the night a huge. I mean, that's not true. I actually fill all my half, my empty half of the cup actually with volunteering and other stuff that I do. Uh, I'm in the National Guard. I'm on the state urban search and rescue team. I volunteer with my school district. I I do all this stuff, but that's because I get to choose to do that stuff and it makes it even better and um, I enjoy it more. But having that little bit of like space to to be innovative, I think is where we need to figure out how to do that in the public sector. So why is that so hard? First, straight out the bat, I don't think I have to explain this to anyone. Culture is really, really hard to change. Um, in the fire service, uh, I loved being a firefighter. I was a volunteer. Uh, it was like my life. When I was in high school um, and even in college, like that was, if you asked me like to define who I was, everything else that I was doing was like, so I could do firefighting stuff. Like I worked so I could buy more firefighting stuff. Like I just loved it. But uh, it also just drove me insane. Uh, there's a saying in the fire service, 250 years of tradition unimpeded by progress. Um, there were so many things that I just found like so weird about it. Um, you know, one of the things was like, everyone wanted the big heavy leather helmets um, and they look cool and I get it. I love the traditional aspect of it, but I was like, I was at a conference and I tried out, you know, one of those kind of European style helmets. And I was like, this is way more comfortable and it is so much lighter. And I was like, I brought it up at a meeting. I was like, hey, I was at this conference and they had this really cool helmet 
uh, and some other gear and stuff that they had there that like doesn't look like ours, but I was like, man, it is just so nice to wear. And they were like, are you out of your mind? You cannot possibly think we are going to change away from this. And I was like, okay, yep, I get it. Um, so culture is really hard to change, especially when it's very ingrained. Um, at the same time, I would argue emergency management has very little sort of culture. Like that's something like, I think we have really, uh, as our company, we've sort of strived to introduce is like to really highlight and build that culture. We are a lot of different cultures, which might be even more difficult. Um, but like, we're a relatively still young, uh, organiz- you know, like a uh, field. Um, we came out of civil defense and then there was the period between like civil defense and Andrew, Andrew to like 9-11, 9-11 to Katrina. Like we're in these like little tiny epochs that we're moving around, but like we don't really have a whole lot of sort of established, this is who we are. Um, and we don't unfortunately get to see each other as much as, you know, like a firehouse. Like you go to a firehouse and you're with a bunch of people for hours and hours and hours all the time. So, but either way, as a field, we do have culture. We do have an organizational culture. You know, you go to IEM and you listen to the talks and you listen to what the associations are, you know, thinking. And you realize that anytime there's sort of discussion of like, let's make this huge earth shattering change, it is fought tooth and nail. And I like to sort of poke fun at this and really just irritate people. So I'll, I'll make a post on Instagram or, or sorry, on uh, LinkedIn, you know, and say something that I think is just, you know, usually it's tongue in cheek, but I want to use it as like a vessel to communicate something else. So very, uh, you know, I guess innocent post. I was like, you know, police wear police uniforms, fire wear fire uniforms, EMS wears EMS uniforms. How come emergency managers don't wear uniforms? And you would have thought that I had slapped a bunch of people right in their mom's face uh, because they were vicious. They're like, well, we are, we don't wear uniforms because we're not a uniform service and we don't do this and we don't do that. And, and then there was other people that are like, well, I do wear a uniform. I have this uniform and I've worn it forever. And FEMA people are like, well, we kind of have a uniform. It's like the polos and 511 khakis. You know, that's what we've always worn. And other people are like, well, I wear business suits because I'm in this. I I'm not a emergency manager. I'm a planner and all of this stuff. And I was like, okay, there's one reason that we're really going to struggle to make any sort of change. We don't even know who we are. Like having some sort of like, uh, if we can nail down who we are, that's going to help change. So culture, changing it, building it, I think is probably where we're at now. I don't even know if changing culture, but that's generally what causes a lot of trouble with innovation is changing it. So we're just going to say building culture for emergency management. We have to build uh, the foundation and sort of like then decide how we change it or direct it. Um, but we're not there. We are extremely bureaucratic. This is a field that is about as like structured as can be. Like we have forms for forms that go into piles of other forms. Uh, you know, you look in an IAP, you know, it's just form, 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 form. Fill this out correctly, man. And if you don't do it, uh, especially for, you know, some of the hardcore folks, uh, it just drive them crazy. Um, so in a bureaucra bureaucracy, I actually love bureaucracy. It's stable, um, and it's hard to break, uh, which is important in times of like great stress, uh, to have that sort of structure. Uh, I think it's actually what kind of saved us through COVID is that our bureaucratic systems just kept churning. You know, the, the stuff existed it, regardless, it shifted a change in how it was done, but, uh, it existed, but, um, 
when you have a, a very structured system like that, it doesn't bend very much. Um, and there's comfort in structure. There's comfort in predictability. Um, so that makes it really challenging. Uh, we have a, a lack of trust in technology. Um, I came in, I am a millennial. I guess now I'm a geriatric millennial, which is like the most disgusting term I've ever heard in my life. I think it's very offensive. Somebody actually told me the other day I'm middle-aged because I'm 39 and the average male age is like 76. And I could not, it wrecked me for like a week. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, but I came in, I'm like the, uh, what I think would be considered the transitional generation with technology. We grew up without a bunch of the technologies that people have today, but we did have it versus the generation that's ahead of us that maybe started without any technology. And, you know, my dad still refuses to learn how to do anything on technology. Um, and so there's a lack of trust and a lot of leadership is in the generation past me. They just didn't have that exposure. They, they were not sort of like put in a position where they had to like figure it out uh, on the fly like we did or have it so ingrained in their who they are that the like the next generation that it, I get it. It's a it's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of folks. Um, they went most of their lives without it. And then now we're like, we need it for everything. And um, and then the other thing is just like it's expensive. So can we use it? It's risky. You know, you spend a lot of money in technology. What if it's not used? Um, so it's really hard. Um, and we have to sort of figure that out. Like, I mean, the reality is innovation today requires a ton of technology. Um, even the like boring stuff, like I was talking about just the building codes, like building codes have to be built off of data, right? Like you've got to take all this data and you have to display it. You have to communicate that to the decision makers, the policymakers, your legislatures, and it needs to be communicated in a way that's effective. Technology helps communicate really, really well. Um, you know, having nice maps with tons of data and all this stuff. So lack of trust in technology. People don't want to be innovators, 100%. It's risky. And people don't like failing. So how can you innovate? Uh, and I think especially in a field when you're in the public sector, it is scary to do things that are sort of like outside the norm. Um, I was always afraid when I worked for the state to say or do anything. In fact, a couple of times I got in a lot of trouble. So I was very early on in the uh, social media and emergency management, hashtag SMEM. Uh, and I was uh, just perpetually online uh, for an emergency manager. And I found like I was so I was getting tons of information. I was I built it into our sort of emergency operations center and our PIO and all this stuff. We were getting all this stuff connected. Um, but every time I would like step out the bounds and like do something that, you know, is considered like, whoa, like we're not ready for this. Uh, it caused a lot of headaches. And I think I turned a lot of leadership's hair gray and I was only with the state for like a pretty short period of time. So, um, it's innovation is like hard. And, and when you're in the public sector, especially it's really hard. So it's incumbent upon us that can do this in a way that like we can do so without the consequences of worrying about our career um, to, to sort of take some of that. So the, the public-private partnership is, I think, an option that like can help with the innovation. Um, but at some point, the folks that are in the government roles are going to have to, uh, we need to create room for uh, innovation that, that requires a mindset change that people want to be innovative, that they can be innovative, that there's room for it, that failure is okay. Failure is okay. We talk about it all the time. What's the best way to learn? 
to fail, right? You learn more from your failures than you do from your successes. Um, because when you're like succeeding and doing everything right, it's just like the, the machine's churning. It's when you fail and you're like, oh my gosh, I hadn't thought about this in this way. Um, so, uh, changing what people think innovation actually is. Um, so I referenced it earlier. Putting a Band-Aid on a problem is not innovation. That's just kind of prolonging that bad thing uh, even longer than it needs to be. Um, and so we just need to also change people to start thinking of what actual innovation is. And actual innovation is taking those risks, doing something very outside the norm. If you're uncomfortable, uh, the more uncomfortable you are, probably the closer you are to innovation because it's outside of your normal scope of work and expertise and experience. So, uh, and then a lot of companies and, and organizations and agencies just don't have an appetite for it. They don't provide the room to be creative and try things and think about stuff and be, you know, uh, fail fast, you know, do this stuff, see if it works. Um, going back to the fire service, like as much as it could be challenging. There was also like some times where I saw innovation happen so quickly, like literally we're on a scene and we're like, this is occurring. How can we fix this? And we come up with an idea and then it becomes like a standard operating procedure after that, an SOP. Like that worked really well. Let's innovate very fast. And that happens sometimes in emergency management. And again, I'm speaking very generally. And again, I, I get that there's a lot of innovation that actually is occurring, but as a general experience of mine, um, most agencies and organizations don't provide creative freedom. And that includes time of just like, hey, everyone just today, don't do any of your normal nine to five stuff. Go draw, go read a book, go sit outside in the quiet and just think about stuff. That is how you come up with new ideas. You have to just expose yourself to stuff and think about things in a different way. If you're just constantly grinding it out, you're not going to be able to have that space in your own head to come up with new solutions. Um, and sometimes it's just taking like, you know, if you see the same problem over and over and over, but like you just need to sort of like, man, I don't understand what's wrong with this. And then you're like, oh, I look at it from a different angle. And now I'm like, oh, that's the solution. I was missing it this entire time because I didn't take a chance to sort of like walk around, do that 360 size up, right? Walk around, take a look up, down. What are your hazards? You know, how do you overcome them? Uh, what are the benefits? Uh, the risk is the risk benefit reward there. Um, and if all that stuff lines up, then you step into the breach and you innovate. So, what does this work? How is this going to work for emergency management? What are the, some ways that we could we could innovate today? Technologies, I think the the biggest thing is we just need to be more tech savvy. I think there's a mindset of like technology fails. That is just not a reality. Like I live in a state that has, uh, it's a rural state. We have like limited infrastructure compared to like many of our bigger state neighbors. Um, and I, you know, like people like I, I plan for it, but like my cell phone doesn't go out very often. My power doesn't go out very often. Um, you know, these things that sort of like, I think, you know, my, my internet's fast, you know, these, these are things that just like I think we were sort of trapped in the mindset of the early days of technology, like even the early 2000s where like a cell phone signal was not very good. Certainly there's still places where cell phone signals don't work, but for the most part, 
you know, I'm fairly lucky. I've got a uh, first net. I've traveled around the state of Vermont. There's a lot of times where other people are like, I don't have internet. Um, I trust my phone and, and a lot, you know, people, this is, this is something I see a lot in exercises where we're like, this is the problem you need to solve. And they're like, well, I can't use my phone. And I'm like, why would you not use your phone? Well, because in an emergency or a disaster, I'm not going to have access to this. I'm like, says who? Like, that's not part of the inject. We're not telling you not to do that. Solve the problem. Use whatever tools you have at your disposal to solve the problem. So getting comfortable with technology, trusting technology, um, understanding like new radio systems are very robust. Uh, they are redundant in no multiple capacities, especially digital radios. Like you can have failover and move stuff around. Communication systems, you know, uh, your mass notification systems, your internet. This stuff is pretty robust now. So you have to trust it. And that means you have to lean into it. You have to learn it. You have to be proficient in it. Improving communications, always uh, comms, number one failure in every single after action. Invest in your radios, you know, get new stuff. Uh, be more uh, tech savvy, Learn, like figure out what all the apps that you should have on your phone. I have, ra you know, radar scope on my phone. So I get, you know, high quality, uh, rapid radar. I've got the yellow book in my phone. I don't carry my, or sorry, orange book, the, the DOT book. I keep it in my phone now. I don't carry it around anymore. Um, although I do have a printed version. Um, you know, keep your field operating guides, your paperwork, all that stuff there just in case. Um, stay stay aware of it, know how it works. Um, you know, I, I probably won't use a T-card in the rest of my career, but, you know, it's not terrible to have that stuff just in case. But um, don't think that technology is going to fail you and let it affect you in a way where you're not taking advantage of efficiency and productivity of modern technology. Drones, VR, uh digital twins, mapping, all of this new sort of stuff to just get a nice, really fast understanding of what's occurring in the world. This technology is, is revolutionary, it's evolutionary. This is innovative stuff. Being able to simulate uh, a disaster, you know, not just go through a tabletop and talk about it and be like, this is what could happen, but to just unleash a machine and be like, what are all the bad things that could happen? How is this, how could I take something and just, get out of your own mindset. So we write exercise, we're writing it from our perspective, we're writing it from our biases. Even having lots of people in a room to write it, you start to get groupthink and stuff. Like use the technology, use the data to actually show you what are things that we really truly need to sort of like think about. Um, Building uh, more robust technological communities, having, uh, you know, the internet of things is taking over, uh, everything is connected. I still hear so many people that are like, oh, you're just, you know, opening yourself up to more liability, which to a degree is true. There's more sort of connection points. That's more points for bad guys to get in. Um, but like, let's not pretend that like, it can't make things a lot better. Like just simple things like, like smart lighting, uh, you know, as cities have introduced smart lighting around, they're saving tons and tons of money because they're not leaving offices, you know, lit up 24-7. Smart HVAC systems, like we're using it in our facilities and stuff. We need to start thinking about how can we use this for managing um, our responses. Um, so, you know, uh, devices that are constantly pulling in data, like little tiny sensors now can serve the purpose of like these massive, you know, devices that used to be used by the National Weather Service. You know, you can basically put this little device in a spot, collect tons of environmental information. Um, traffic, like getting all that data and using the smart cars, the smart cameras and the uh, RWINs and like all of these systems that are along highways tracking all this stuff. Or is it RWIS? I can't remember. Remote Weather Instrumentation System Network. Um, you know, those cameras that are pulling all this data and like use that stuff. Um, smart 
just make your community smarter. Uh, community involvement, uh, getting your community involved, like getting the voices of everyone. Uh, here's something innovative. If you're planning for people who have functional needs or other sort of like perspectives that you're lacking, um, you know, your DEI initiatives, don't as you try to solve division uh, equity and inclusion, uh, bring in the communities that are being, uh, they're underrepresented or, uh, you know, are not even being thought of in to talk to you and be a part of that solution. That's innovative thinking. That's something that we don't do enough of is if like, you're trying to plan for an evacuation route and you're trying to understand someone who has mobility concerns, um, bring in folks that have that experience, especially, you know, if they have this knowledge and have them go through the environment and tell you like, this is not going to work. Like this is, I know you, you thought that you solved this. This is not a solution. Um, that's really, really important. So, um, yesterday, uh, our, my the parent company, Doberman Emergency Manager, was in Portland, um, and everything that I just talked about uh, was sort of proven in like this really like microcosm experience. Uh, all of these emergency managers that uh, my boss was meeting with uh, were saying the same thing: like emergency management, public safety, like first responders, uh, all the NGOs. They're all saying the same things, like we need to innovate, like we're getting beaten down. And I think a lot of it has to do that agencies are in a poly crisis right now. There's just emergency after emergency after emergency. They're all different. They, they are pulling all your resources. We have lack of staffing. Uh, we have just the general grind of trying to work with plans, policies, and procedures that were like, they're not fast enough for today's emergencies. They don't keep up with just the churn of how things are working. So, you know, everything that you you know, are working with is designed for one crisis a year and you're dealing with 10. Um, and, uh, you know, we're all kind of sitting here, like, how do we fix this? And, uh, first and foremost, you, you can't solve tomorrow's problems with yesterday's solutions. Right. So here is like my pitch for innovation, learn from the past, like absolutely do not let a good learning experience go away. But, and don't, don't worry about like, you know, you can improve what you're doing right now. That is a step in the right direction. So learn what doesn't work, improve what does work, um, but innovate where there isn't a solution. Like open up some capacity and resources to try things that don't exist. Um, and that means being creative. And that is how we're gonna get out of this mess. That's how we're going to excel. That's how we're gonna improve. Um, and that should excite you that there's so much opportunity for innovation in this field. There's like unlimited amounts of opportunity for innovation. Um, but you have to have the guts to do it and you have to have the capacity and the, the ability to do it. So that's my pitch. I've talked about what innovation is. I talked about what's holding us back. I talked about areas that we could start right now. Um, but again, I'm, I'm one person, you know, even our company, it's a handful of people. This is a entire career field of folks that need to sort of be ready for this. And we cannot wait to do this. We have serious, serious problems that we're dealing with right now. And we're trying to deal with them using techniques and approaches that are not working. 
And if you think they are, just take a step back, look at it from a different angle, start to like take a, like pull your ego out of this. That's I think the hardest thing, all of us, and this is me included, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here. Take your ego out of the equation. You have to step back and acknowledge that we are not in a place right now uh, where we are being truly innovative and that we, you know, our, our solutions that we think are really good may not be good at all. Like you just have to acknowledge like there's failures. There are things that we could be doing better. There are things that we should be doing that we're not. Um, and it's okay to acknowledge that. And it's all right if you try something and it fails. If you were like, hey, if I, this widget would solve this problem, I think this widget would solve this problem. Okay, try it, see what happens. And if it doesn't work, what did you learn from that? Why didn't it work? Uh, what did it need in order to work? Um, and is there somebody that you know that has a better widget that could solve it? So that's my pitch. Uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend that everyone that's listening to this, uh, don't take creativity for granted. Draw, write, take pictures, make movies, just sit in a par on a park bench and uh, listen to the world go by. Uh, take those moments where you can just sort of do something that is so outside of your comfort zone. I've been doing a lot of woodworking and I found it like, it's like zen, right? Like it brings me to this place where I can start to think about things in a new way. I have just a little bit of, you know, and it gets your synapses firing, right? Like we should be creative. We're emergency managers. We have to be creative. Um, and as a leader, if you are an emergency management leader, don't do mandatory fun events. Don't do, you know, like there's two things you can do that will really help. A, pay your people more, get more people in the office, and then offer some time, like build in time, truly like hours of time to think. When I worked at my last job, um, I was able to sort of convince my my old boss that I needed like a day at home every once in a while. This is before work from home was a thing to write plans and do stuff because I just needed like to get away from people. Like everyone was just constantly berating me with like, this is my problem. I need to solve this it needs to get solved. Da, 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 da. And so I just needed some time to be like, all right, I need quiet. I need just some space. And that's how I'm going to start to solve things. So you as a boss, as a leader, make sure your people have that capacity. So there's my pitch. I hope you found this uh, episode uh, interesting. Like, subscribe, you know, give me some comments, talk to me in the, in the, uh, you know, comment section about, you know, how do you think of innovation? What do you think innovation is? And I will talk to you next week. I have some really cool stuff. I have two things that I want to help with. Uh, one is uh, outreach. So talking about all of the resources we have available so that you are a better communicator as an emergency manager. And then I've learned a bunch of other really cool stuff about AI that I find fascinating. And it has greatly enhanced my ability to, uh, to do some planning and exercising and stuff. So now my dog's losing his mind. That's my cue. Uh, we'll see you next week.